It's the time differential. It would take probably years and years and years to get another 100 clients, or you could do it in one foul swoop if you have the you know systems and infrastructure to support them. You're listening to the Client Catching Podcast, the show that uncovers how high-performing service-based business leaders are successfully navigating the ocean of complexity around growing their business. Now, as anyone with the talent and guts to start a business knows, it takes a lot more to grow one than just being great at what you do, and you can't do it alone. So this podcast will show you how other captains of their own ship, just like you, have found the right strategy to catch more clients, simplified everything, and transform their business. So if you're ready to do the same, then jump aboard and join me, Adam King, host and the captain at Think Like a Fish, and let's go fishing. This episode of the Client Catching Podcast is sponsored by the Think Like a Fish £100,000 Growth Accelerator Mentorship Program. Now, it's designed to help you add £100,000 of new client revenue by implementing my proprietary growth methodology into your business, the Growth Accelerator ecosystem. And it's done so that you can repeat it again and again and grow your business to the next level. And unlike most consulting programs out there, I'm so confident the results that you can get from this that the bulk of your investment is linked to you landing clients and hitting predetermined revenue targets up to £100,000. Now, if you're curious and you want to see how this all works, then register for my on-demand masterclass, the three growth accelerators that can add £100,000 plus of new client revenue to your business in six to 12 months. And you can do that at thinklikeafish.co.uk slash masterclass. That's thinklikeafish.co.uk slash masterclass. Hey, just a quick heads up that for some reason it appears that my microphone on my side somehow got disconnected partway through this um, interview, which didn't realize until, um, yeah, it came back from the edit. So it might go a little bit funny on my side, but um, anyway, you don't really uh, tune in to listen to me, you listen to the guests. So um, hopefully that doesn't take away from um, everything that David is talking about. So just wanted to let you know in case you wonder what's going on. It's not your headphones. It was something on my side. So um, let's get to the interview with uh, with my guest today. Hello, welcome to the Client Catching Podcast. Now think about it. When you're planning a trip to get to any destination, you only really need to know three different things. You need to know where you are now, where you want to get to and how you're going to get to. Now, it's pretty much exactly the same when it comes to growing your business, if you really think about it. Otherwise, what you're doing is you're allowing yourself to metaphorically drift on the open ocean aboard a rudderless boat. And that means that you're always going to be victim to where the current takes you. So in other words, you have to be intentional with where you're going because business success won't happen without it. But the problem is being intentional is a discipline. It's not always easy in today's world with so many distractions that can cause us to drift away from any and all good intentions. Yet being intentional can be the key to success for all entrepreneurs. As when you set thoughtful, clear-cut goals and develop a plan to reach those goals, you push aside the distractions and the obstacles that you would otherwise have had slow you down. And nowhere can the power of this be seen more than in my story of my guest today. He's a true entrepreneur at heart, starting his business as an idea on a napkin and turning it into a a successful industry disruptor. Now that business is Voices.com. It's the online marketplace that connects businesses with professional voice talent. And as the CEO and co-founder, he started the company in 2005 with the intention of building the place where the world finds its voice. That's a big attention I know, but as you'll hear, this single decision has been key to building a world-class organization and leading the industry in, digital, in the digital age. 
So I'm absolutely delighted to welcome my guest on the Client Catching Podcast today, David Cicerelli. David, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for the intro and uh, glad to be here. And uh, hopefully we can tell some stories along the way. Yeah, absolutely. So this this whole idea of intention, what does what does that mean to you? And and how has that been one of the mo- one of the bedrocks of, of getting you to where you are today? Well, you know the the really the definition I, I like to think about is um, particularly around the idea around strategy is. Um, not necessarily kind of, uh, you know, everyone thinks of it as a, as a plan, but if you really think of strategy as the set of choices that a business makes that differentiates itself within an industry or a firm um, to have sustainable, you know, long-term prospects and ultimately yielding great financial results. But it's that first part that I wanted to emphasize, the set of choices and so being intentional means knowing what choices you need to make and then making those. And, uh, and it's really the equivalent of a, of a fork in the road. You can either do one thing or the other. Too often, I think we try to hedge our bets, if you will, and pursue both paths at the same time. But making a choice, sticking to it, uh, and having a high degree of conviction that it isn't just a, a, a gut feel. Often those, those decisions that you're making are grounded in market feedback, um, speaking to prospective customers or data if you have customers already. But making those choices and, and sticking through them, I think there's a lot of respect that comes from um, a community, your employees, um, other people you're working with when you're clear about the direction that you want to go. So that's what I refer to as, as in being intentional is, is having a handful of those choices um, that really dictates your strategy. And as you refer to it as a discipline, it really is, isn't it? Because uh, I think I mentioned in the intro there, there's a lot of things that can distract us. Um, by nature, a lot of people that start businesses, run businesses, we're visionaries. We kind of get all these great ideas, don't we? And we, we sort of go, oh, well, let's go and chase that way and, and go off another direction. So how have you been able to sort of maintain that focus without getting all those distractions? Well, uh, fortunately for us, I mean, we've picked one little slice of the world, um, that of the human voice, uh, that uh, we really aspire to completely owning this space. Um, and you know, the, the temptation admittedly is certainly there to say, okay, well, it's great. You have a, a an online marketplace, this, this two-sided uh, platform that connects buyers and sellers to, and in our situation to hire a voice actor to do a voiceover. Well, you know, that two-sided marketplace could just as easily be expanded into not just voice actors, but maybe graphic designers or video producers. And one of the uh, decisions that we made early on um, was that we would be voice only. And there's some, you know, translation work that needs to get done because of the, uh, th- that a client might need it in order to ultimately get that voice uh, script recorded. But if we can stick to this voice only, that's one of our um, key decisions that we found have been, has been so critical um, that helps us avoid uh, you know, avoid those distractions. Uh, everything sounds like a great idea initially. Um, and, but some, it, it, you have to weigh these what's known as the opportunity cost by pursuing something else. You're splitting your time, you're splitting your energy. Um, but you're also splitting your resources. Maybe it's 
uh, you know, your dev and tech team now suddenly needs to pursue something else that isn't strategically aligned with those, uh, those initial decisions that you made. Um, and you, you see this in, I, I, I think sometimes, especially, you know, being an entrepreneur myself, um, you see this a lot in like startup parlance where it's, you know, referred to as the pivot, right? It's like, oh, I was pursuing an idea. It didn't kind of quite work. And then you pivot entirely. I think there is a fine line between pivoting too early um, and frankly, just not being persistent and persevering enough. So when do you persevere and when do you pivot? And if it's a wholesale pivot, then just call it that your first business failed and you're actually doing something different. But if it's kind of along the same line, I mean, that's where you get this kind of mission drift that, that tends to creep into a business. So my encouragement for those listening is pick a few um, kind of guiding principles along the way. Um, things like, as I said, for us, voice first. Another one is E for everyone uh, content. And uh, just briefly, what I mean by, what I mean by that is um, the job postings that come to voices.com, uh, the content that's being requested to be recorded, we want it to be content that's uplifting, encouraging, that inspires, that's, let's call it positive, wholesome content that, uh, that would be suitable for quote unquote everyone. And that means, sure, we're going to probably turn away some business, but we found over the long run that um, it's actually attracted more clients to us because they know that we stand for something, that we have some values that we're upholding. And in the age where a lot of brands are concerned about brand safety, that they want to know that their job posting and is going to be listed side by side other uh, respected brands. And likewise, the talent aren't recording for some questionable content one time and then you know recording for your company uh, on the next gig. So th those are the really the two biggies, voice only and for everyone, that we tend to kind of continue to gravitate backwards that um, has, has served as our guiding principles. And I, and I encourage uh, all those entrepreneurs uh, listening to have, have a handful of their own. Because, yeah, the, 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 the whole thing about guiding principles, and um, I'm not sure if you've uh, – have you read the book Principles by Ray Dalio? Um, I've listened to it on an audiobook, but it's been a while. I'm, I'm kind of an audiobook guy. I mean, if there's anyone out there that hasn't, first of all, read that book, go read it. It's fantastic. It gives you real insight into the mind of someone that really understands the importance of this kind of thing. But it also shows you that when you, I'm sure you've had it, when people start talking about vision, goals, principles, they go, oh, yeah, 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 but I'm too busy for that. Or I've got too much going on to really think about that. You, yeah, it, it, it could be one of the biggest mistakes you make because that's when you start to drift. That's when things do get busy and things get hectic. You've got nothing to bring you back to kind of the center line and, and keep you on track. So is, when you started, was, was having those principles the thing that got you started? Did, were they something that was inside of you or is it something that you developed as you built the company? Well, the founding, uh, the founding story is a, a good one. And, and uh, to answer the question first, I, I think they, they developed... Um, uh, you know, over time, but pretty early on, certainly within the first couple of years, um, how voices uh, began. Actually, uh, I went to school as an audio engineer and uh, opened up a small 
recording studio, which I got my name in the newspaper, um, kind of announcing this recording studio to the broader business community. And uh, it was then actually that my, uh, now my wife, Stephanie, um, at the time she was a music major at the university. She was a classic, uh, classically trained singer and she'd sing at weddings and uh, other special events. And her mom actually read this newspaper article and, uh, and cut it out uh, and left it for her on her bed and invited her to come down to the studio and say, you should record your singing repertoire. And so um, Stephanie came down, of course, chaperoned by her mother. And uh, we ended up doing those recordings of her, of her repertoire. Uh, and concurrently, there were the other corporate clients, um, small businesses, um, some ad agencies that wanted some work done. And they asked, you know, do you have, do you have no any voice talent? We're looking for a female voice. And I, I happened to meet Stephanie just the day before. So my pitch to her was to come back down to the studio and uh, record a page of copy. I'd be the engineer and she would be the voice talent. And so uh, we ended up doing that work together. Um, and uh, I, I sometimes joke that uh, I, I believe I married my first customer, which is not marital <laughs> advice in any way. But um, nonetheless, that was kind of what got us into uh, not only working together, but recognizing that there was this um, that there was this whole industry, which I was familiar with, with my educational background, but I think it was really the, the, the dawn of audio and voice playing a really important and often a supportive role to video, um, but all kinds of, um, new media opportunities coming up. Yeah. So, I was going to ask the question around that actually, because the world seems to go, you know, be very much going towards video and if you know, it doesn't matter. You can read articles or, or watch videos that saying X amount, is, you know, 85, 90% of all content online is going to be video in, you know, two days or whatever it's, whatever it is. Right. So what, where does, where does voice sit within that then? And, and what is the value of having a professional voice talent opposed to maybe doing it yourself? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you're right. And video is actually the number one, um, application uh, category of work that happens through voices.com. And there's a few different flavors of that. Um, most of us have seen explainer videos where if you sell a service or a product or maybe software, um, it's those short kind of one minute tutorials that just give an overview, you know, highlight some of the features and benefits um, of working with you. So that's uh, an explainer video. Product demonstration videos are kind of maybe click down a notch where it might be more screen by screen. Uh, and then maybe if it's a, you know, an entrepreneur that's uh, or aspiring entrepreneur that just has an idea, you see a lot of these kind of Kickstarter, Indiegogo type videos that are, you know, pitching something. Uh, so that I'm going to say is like a, is a whole category. And then for more established businesses, we, um, we see a lot of corporate training videos that are produced, especially with remote uh, workforces, that there's usually a centralized learning hub or an e-learning platform, um, especially in like financial services, insurance, healthcare, a lot of compliance videos. So there's huge demand out there. Um, uh, and so, you know, the, the difference, I guess, you know, and often the decision is, okay, uh, when, when would I work with a professional voice actor versus doing it maybe myself? Um, there's a couple, you know, factors that, that, uh, that, that might drive that decision. First off is, you know, who, who's your audience? Um, and, uh, you know, this is kind of classic marketing, 
but from a you know an audio brand sonic branding perspective um the reason why you might want want to do it yourself is because you're probably not your target market and what we've learned both from our own internal research uh, and we do an annual trends report and uh, survey our, our clients, the voice that they end up picking actually sounds like their target market because people fundamentally want to buy from people who not only look like them, but also sound like them, whether that's age or lifestyle or background or some kind of a, uh, affinity or affiliation. And if you're trying to sell to a certain demographic, you would really um, be best um, and, and improve the results and engagement of that piece of content if it sounded like them. So that would, that would be um, first and foremost. So anything that's kind of customer facing, I would encourage, um, you know, to consider working with the voice actor internally. It's a, it's a little bit more challenge. Often companies are, you know, maybe they just don't have the same budget, you know, that fall back on the, Oh, it's just for our employees. Um, the downside I think there is that there just isn't nearly the information retention that there could be, um, by working with a narrator that um, really knows how to breathe life into sometimes a pretty dull script. And so that's, that would be the, the benefit of, uh, of working with a professional voice actor. Yeah, and, and there's so many, so many areas that you could actually employ a, a proper good voice. I mean, you know, just think about, you can hear certain people's voices, famous people's voices, and you hear them and you know instantly who they are. And that can almost become its own form of brand recognition if you have the same actor, for example, or the same talent that is doing something. And whether you're using it on something like, I don't know, radio or it could be uh, online video explainers. But if you have that consistency going through, that's that becomes a recognizable voice. Um, yeah, I think of um, people like uh, my mum always used to love Alan Rickman's voice, for example. Very distinctive voice. Right. You can always... Yeah, you knew exactly. She's like, I, I, I could fall in love with that man's voice, right? But yeah, there's, there's something there that's recognizable. It's, it, it, yeah, it, it can really sort of bring something to life that, as you say, could otherwise be a little bit dull. And do you, a lot of the people that you work with, the client, business client specific, do they tend to be? <laughs> I don't want to put words in your mouth, like saying anything bad about clients, but you know, in, in, in industries or things that tend to have a difficulty putting some excitement into the actual product or service. Uh, well, you know, not, not everything is as cool as, you know, salesforce.com or Slack or, you know, I mean, a lot of us have, uh, you know, physical products or services um, that uh, might lean more on the, you know, be more commoditized or, you know, there's a lot of competition, let's say. And so the question really is, um, going back to that original definition of strategy, it's the set of choices that you're making that differentiate yourself from, you know, within an industry. And so one way that, uh, you know, really what we're, you know, kind of um, triangulating is this concept of sonic branding. And businesses, you know, have spent so much time and energy on their visual identity and not nearly as much on their sonic identity. And there's some really good examples of these sound logos like the Intel Inside logo or, you know, back in the day, the AOL, you've got mail, um, even just the chime when you open up, you know, a MacBook or, you know, boot up your 
Android phone, you know, depending on kind of who the manufacturer is, there's, there's auditory cues and businesses can, um, take that, you know, and include voice. And so there's some, and I love what you're saying about how, uh, not only can, you know, you have a consistent visual identity, but you can have a consistent auditory identity across different channels. For instance, your phone system, that same voice could be there, but also uh, on your explainer videos on your YouTube channel. If you have a podcast, they're doing the intro and the outro kind of that, you know, call to action to subscribe at the end. I mean, so we definitely are seeing more of that, that there's this notion that uh, companies are looking for quote unquote, a brand voice, one that's going to, you know, um, transcend all of those different channels and hopefully develop some familiarity that people are like, Oh, I've, you know, I've, I've heard this person before I've developed trust. It's almost the personification of the brand itself. And there could be a personification of, of anything that's associated with voices. I mean, you know, the thing, things like Siri, for example, that, uh, you know, the voice activation of everything, you kind of almost feel like you could have a relationship with the, uh, uh with the, with the voice on the other end of the phone, uh, or, or on that phone. I think there was a, even a big bang, I don't know, a big bang episode where they actually went and found the voice of Siri. And it was just this like woman behind a, a microphone. It was a bit weird, I don't know. But yep. there, you know, it, it shows that people can start to actually believe that this is a. And it obviously is a person, but like create their own story about the person behind the voice. Um, mm-hmm. so it's like the, the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain, but that was a voice yep. until you saw who it was. Yeah, there's there's, there's so much there. Yeah, and just in um, and so you know when we're thinking about well what, you know, if I'm trying to attract and and win more clients, um, I might want to consider, you know, voice as a means to communicate that message. Um, You know, I think some of the first challenges in there and maybe questions that a a business owner or founder might want to be asking is, you know, as I say, these basics of, well, what is the audience I'm trying to reach? And then what are those vocal qualities that they would have if this person were to walk into a restaurant what would they sound like um if you're having a conversation and you know and and it's things like yes language do they have a particular accent um how old are they what's their age but then i think we can get into what we refer to as um the role you know, is this person like a, 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 a newscaster? Are they a business executive? Are they, you know, a fashionista? Like, who is it that you're trying to reach? And then create a bit of a character sketch. That's the rule. And then next up would be the style, kind of the, the way that you're actually going to um, really ask that actor to perform. And so a, a, a funny example I, I often kind of lean back on is, we had a outdoor theme park in Florida. It was a water park that was wanting a mascot. They were trying to provide a voice for their mascot. And they had the mascot that was kind of dressed up in the costume, but it never actually said anything. And then they realized, well, there's, you know, sponsoring podcasts was one of the things that they were doing. Um, and they wanted this voice on their phone system. So it, the mascot was actually a pirate. And so if the role is the pirate already, I'm sure everyone listening here today can picture a pirate in their mind. And we're actually probably all thinking of completely different looking pirates. 
ranging from you know the pirates of the pirates of the caribbean like the scary davy jones um you know octopus chin kind of looking pirate to the goofy johnny depp pirate right they're both pirates so that's why it's not enough just to say well here's the role that i want but what is the style are they funny are they sarcastic do they sound scary are they intimidating um and so i think the more you can kind of develop that sketch it provides as i say it's it's it, it is the personification of your brand and it provides artistic direction to the actor to ultimately get the read that you're looking for. And we, yeah, we make so many associations with, as you say, things like accent, tone of voice, all that kind of thing. I remember there was a, a Jaguar advert uh, a couple of years ago, and it was, it was some very well-known um, uh, British actors. And it, was, and it was something along the lines of, well, you know, why are all, uh, all bad guys or evil villains British? And they were quite deep voice, well-spoken British, but it, there was there was almost that sinister edge to the accent and the way that they spoke. Right. And you can absolutely see it. And it's, it's that emotion that it brings out and it makes you think and feel a certain way. And, and I don't know, you're either a, a Hugh Grant, a bumbling Brit, or you're a sinister evil genius. I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know it's, where I fit along that night. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, what I love is that whole, I've never even thought about that. Having the same act, uh, uh, the same voice, just from something as simple as answering the phone, which, by the way, many people don't really consider is actually part of how you market and present your business, the way you answer the phone. Or if you're going to put people on hold and you need a system, who is that person that is welcome? And make it match anything else that they've seen because that's that familiarity and it increases and helps improve that trust factor. So there's so much that you can do with it. You know, it's... Um you know, the phone system type recordings are such a simple way um, to start incorporating voice into really any small business. Um, I, you know, not not just that initial greeting, which sometimes referred to as the auto attendant, you know, that the greeting and then the press one for sales, press two for customer service. Um, but that on hold message, I mean, that's a captive audience. If you got an inbound phone call, um, there is an opportunity there to uh, educate and inform your customers about something they maybe didn't know. Maybe there's an upcoming event, uh, a conference that you guys are, that, you know, that you're hosting. Um, perhaps there's a, there's a new product that you launched or a new service offering, you know, and, and, and so a good formula for those on hold greetings, um, because most people are only on hold about 10 or 15 seconds. If they are on for longer, um, even kind of developing a program, let's really one, long mp3 file probably five to ten minutes but it would alternate between let's call it customer service messages and promote messages but that's something that could be recorded once even you know once per season once per year and then kind of refreshed and updated uh, I, I think that's an underutilized channel yeah. um, that allows you again to uh, we've we've just heard some really i mean you can tell jokes on the phone there's a lot more than just saying thank you for your call we appreciate your patience i mean you could do some fun stuff i, I remember hearing something around um uh, i can't remember the company but there's a big call center here in the in the uk and they've done so much sort of research in the actual voices um and the difference between um a happy customer and you know that's gone through the customer service and none of us like to be on hold do we and mm -hmm. you know especially if we're ringing customer service, it's normally because we've got a problem and we're a bit annoyed and blah, blah, blah. It's probably an internet company. And they found that 
um, the Geordie accent, which is Newcastle. And it, the people that were um, being um, dealt with by people with the Geordie accent, they ended up being happier, like statistically. So what they ended up doing hmm. is moving the entire call centre to Newcastle and hiring a bunch of Geordies, Newcastles, Newcastle people. And yeah, it dramatically improved their, um, basically their, their, their rating around customer service simply by doing that because they weren't doing it all really different. They, you know, didn't put anything else in. So it just shows like the power of, of actually thinking about voice. So, um, yeah, there's, there's all sorts of things and things that I would never even consider the importance of voice. And, uh, yeah, so many problems mm-hmm. that having the right voice can, can solve because let's be honest, in a weird way, we're all trying to get our voices heard. You know, when you, uh, you'd mentioned, um, that particular accent, uh, I, it, it reminded me that we have a, um, UK accent map. Um, so if, uh, those wanted to actually hear the various accents around, um, uh, then you can actually just simply Google UK accent map and you'll see, uh, voices.com. And there, there is a map that you can hover over the, uh, um, you know, the, the, the land and see everything from, uh, of course, uh, you know, Cockney to uh, RP. Uh, we have West Country, Southern Welsh. Well, uh, mine, South, mine, I mean, mine's a bit of a mishmash cool. between all sorts yeah. from, uh, you know, born in London, moved out to Suffolk, lived abroad, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, I've got a bit of a <laughs> And I was not going to attempt to do a Geordie accent. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so um, let's talk about how you personally have gone about growing the business. So you, you got your start, you got the initial push, but what was the was there a big thing that you you've done along the way that you think has moved the needle much more than any other thing you've done along the way? Well, if I could put it back to one thing, um, I think there's uh, there's um, my my mind is racing a bit here. I mean, there's 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 two stories that come to mind. The the first one. Uh, is actually that we didn't start as voices, uh, voices.com. It was interactive voices, which is a bit of a mouthful in of itself. Um, but that's what you do when you start a business. You come up with the best name that you can. And, and it, uh, it was the same idea of, of a website, uh, same real business. Um, but uh, we were struggling with, I guess, having a succinct, memorable name that encapsulated what we did. Uh, and this was around um, this whole Web 2.0 movement, you know, a number of years back when everything was big, big, bright and bubbly on the web uh, and companies were dropping vowels from their name and, and uh, Twitter and Flickr and, and that kind of thing were coming out. So we wanted to rebrand. And I looked at, uh, you know, I brainstormed all kinds of names, you know, Voxio, Voxy, Vox.com. Uh, and nothing was kind of coming up um, either available. The Vox.com, there was an auction. It was $100,000 to bid on Vox.com, which is uh, Latin for voice. Uh, didn't win the auction and uh, feeling pretty uh, defeated. Nothing was working out. I thought, well, rather than a whole rebranding and, and uh, maybe more of a name simplification was in order. And what if we could just, you know, we're called interactive voices. What if we could just drop the interactive and just be voices, voices.com? So I did what many of you probably have done as uh, as entrepreneurs and and uh, business owners that you, you you know pull up a browser, type in voices.com and and lo and behold what showed up was a medical journal called Silencing the Critical Voices in Your Head. I thought, huh, 
well, that's interesting, but it was registered in 1998. The journal ran for a couple years and the last entry was 2000. And I thought, well, clearly it's not being used. Uh, and thank goodness it's not some large telecommunications company selling, you know, voice over IP services or something like that. Um, so I actually asked our, uh, our a corporate lawyer who I'd, I'd recently met to reach out to this uh, to this person. And you can do what's called a who is lookup, um, kind of a reverse lookup to find out who the owner is of the domain. And uh, reached out and, uh, and and found out, you know, basically asked, would you sell the name? And if so, what price? And, and he came back and said, um, the, the owner said $50,000. And I thought, wow, okay, well, that's half the price of what Vox was, was going to be. So we're on the right path already. Uh, but did not have $50,000. I went to all the local um, banks and, and financial institutions trying to make this pitch to them that uh, we were going to rebrand as Voices.com. And they're like, can't you just go buy a domain name? Like, why do you, like, are you buying servers? I'm like, no, just the name. And uh, they all said no. Um, but I learned actually an important lesson from our, from our lawyer, which was to never take no for an answer. You know, fact was, um, the previous owner, you know, was willing to sell the name. They stated a price, uh, seemed like there was some willingness there. So why don't we go back and, and negotiate? And uh, I offered um, $30,000 in the form of uh, six payments, every, you know, one payment every quarter over six quarters of uh, 5,000 bucks each. So that we just wire them $5,000. And for that, he went with the deal. He went for the deal. So for uh, $5,000 that, uh, that I'm pretty sure we cash advanced on a credit card or something foolish you should never do, uh, but you do um, when you're just trying to get things going, um, that we were able to uh, rebrand ourselves as Voices.com. And it was really just like um, kind of rerouting the server from the old name to the new name and uh, launched, kind of relaunched over a weekend. We just kind of copied everything over. It was looking back the single biggest turning point because I think it um, positioned us as being an authority in the space. It, as I say, the name Voices just says what we do. It's short, it's memorable, you can't misspell it. Uh, and at the time, the uh, one of the highest weighted factors in Google's uh, organic search algorithm was the age of the name because they were dealing with a lot of spam and keyword stuffing. And I think they were increasingly looking for uh, elements that can't really be spoofed because the name is there in like the I can register. So uh, it being registered in 1998 was actually before Google itself. And so it kind of looked like this really authoritative old age domain name and our organic traffic um, tripled overnight. And like we didn't write any new content. Uh, and that's when I really started to getting into realizing the power of organic search. So when we, you know, we talk about kind of the, the, the Things that were the pivot points for driving the business forward. I think getting a great, memorable domain name has been really helpful for us. And then investing further in that with uh, by investing in writing and creating content. Um, and when I say content, it's not you know a blog once a month. Um, I'm and you I mean we have uh, yes thousands of articles on our blog, which increasingly are longer form, more researched. Um, you know, they're not just a hundred words that you kind of slap up there. They're, they're trying to 
uh, serve an unmet need in kind of the search landscape, if you will. Um, so that's on the organic search side, but we also conduct research. And so we, uh, you know, as I, I mentioned earlier, we, we run an annual trends uh, survey. And so we send out a survey to our customers, um, asking them, you know, a variety of questions. Uh, you know, how are you using voice? Did you hire more male or female um, voices? Are you, you know, what are the new applications you're looking at, which this year we saw were more people than ever getting into podcasting, as well as thinking about um, sonic branding and actually around like voice applications for smart speakers. So there's some new stuff that's, that's top of mind. So, but all that we package up as a, as an annual report um, that is unique to us. It's really long form and it, it actually serves multiple purposes. It's fantastic, unique content that sits on our website. We, uh, you know, write a press release around that and pitch that to other people that, which has done phenomenally well. We've gotten great stories, um, in ad age or ad week, um, that again, is reaching that kind of creative advertising market that we're trying to connect with. Uh, and, um, and then people share it on social media as well too, you know, even just a, a stat here and there. So, uh, and of course, whether it's, you know, a blog article, um, or it's one of these research pieces, that is really the basis for what we would send out in an email in a, in a newsletter. So there's a lot of power and, and, and I would say value in creating content because it's, it's kind of the, it's, it's so repurposable or reusable, whether it's, you know, most people think, well, predominantly we just need some listings in Google. So let's write a bunch of articles. But you actually end up, if you do it well, you're writing for people, not just a search engine. And that's one of their um, key criteria, isn't it? It needs to be written for people. And it needs to be valuable. Yes. Uh, it doesn't matter if you and, can game their, their, their algorithm. It's, it's like, does the person on the other end? Because ultimately, Google want people to keep coming back using their uh, search engine so they can monetize their advertising, that kind of thing. But Absolutely. what I love about what you just described there is and it's going to sound weird. like that is nothing new, right? Sending surveys to customers, creating reports, yeah. right? That isn't new. That's not a new shiny thing. That is something that has worked for decades, decades, decades. And yet there's not, like, it, it's almost like I haven't seen many people do this well for a long time. Like people do a little bit here and there, but um, back in my corporate days, this is the main way that we did things. Um, worked for a gas consultancy. We'd send out a, a survey to clients, industry people, interview them, all that kind of thing, put it into a report. It was quite a big bit of work, but mm -hmm. that was our entire content for a year. That was then repurposed. It was then put into talks to give it events. What, you know, uh, the findings from this report, what's coming up, um, you know, the market trends, blah, 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 blah. And that was basically everything done from a marketing perspective. There was three months of hard work to, do the surveys, interviews, et cetera, et cetera. But then you had it and it was valuable. It wasn't just a, right, I'm going to write something, as you say. It was valuable. People then started looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. We've, I mean, I was just kind of scanning back on, uh, on voices.com and the footer. We have a link called reports. And we've been doing this since 2013 was our first report on the industry. 
We've had trends reports. We've had like industry specific reports. We actually did a total addressable market report. We sized up how big is voiceover um, globally. Um, we landed on this number of $4 billion is spent globally on hiring voice actors. Um, that has been pretty key. Um, a report on celebrity voices, who are the most common celebrities that are hired or voices that people want, kind of these uh, personalities or personas, um, if you will. So it's been very good. As you said, that it's, it's actually served as keynote talks for me, like that material. Uh, and so it's, it goes, and then here we are, we're, we're talking about the reports on a, on a podcast. So once you kind of nail down what are those three to five themes, you're right. It, it drives content and your go to market of how you're talking about your, your industry, um, you know, really for the, for the next year. And it, and it's credible because it's two things based in data, uh, and it's actually in the voice of your customer. It's not just your opinion. This is like, well, this is what other people are actually saying when we ask them. And uh, we often follow that up with, you know, customer profiles or like, tell us about what you actually, how are you doing that? When did you spot that trend? How has your business changed? So there's, um, you're right. It's, it's not new. It requires effort um, over a sustained, sustained point. But, you know, the, the theme um, today has been about being intentional, picking a few tactics that you can do really well and um, develop some capabilities on that. But when you look around at your the competitive landscape, no one else is doing it. And therefore, that means that you can carve that space out for you um, That and, and ultimately you own that. And so that becomes the thing that you're known for is whether that's a piece of research on an annual basis. And as you said, people, people do look forward to it. And, and as I say, it's, it's that intentional piece and that can become the foundation. Yeah, I, I am intentional on doing this and being the industry benchmark report every single year. That is what, yeah, if I do nothing else in terms of how I'm going to um, market my business, I'm going to do this every year. Other things that come out of it, that might change year on year, but this is the foundational piece. And I know that I'm going to be doing that. Well, what a, what a great time to, to do that. I mean, it could be at the end of the calendar year. It could be at the beginning of the calendar year. I, I, I mean, it's, it's not like you just got to kind of, there's no magical time to, uh, to kick off a report. Um, and, uh, you know, starting the first one, you know, is, is often admittedly going to be hardest because you don't have year over year data, but then you can be actually tracking trends of like, what's, what's growing, what's declining. I mean, we saw, you know, um, almost, you know, the volume of voiceover work for radio, like traditional radio and TV commercials be cut in half over this last year. And then you look at, well, where's all this video content being produced? Um, probably no surprise. It's shifting either in terms of like, um, you know, in terms of entertainment content, um, people have so much choice, so they're going elsewhere, whether it's uh, streaming or it's, you know, games and, you know, or podcasts uh, as well, too. And so that's just, it, it, it informs us of like where we should be spending our time, um, but it also informs our customers of like how they could, maybe there's some new um, venue that they could be uh, thinking about. So customers appreciate getting that insight because they don't have time to do the research themselves. So I think handing that to them is uh, is a nice value add as well. Yeah, 
there's so much that can come out. And it does, as you say, it doesn't have to be this massive undertaking at the very beginning. You could, you could have a sim, you know, a more simple survey to start that goes out to your customer base. And if it could get passed on a little bit, you get a bit of data that gives you enough statistical significance to be able to make some conclusions from it. And you can write it out in a, a summary report and send it out and start that way. Just see how it goes. Then if it works, you can get bigger and bolder next time and, and just sort of snowball from there. So there's, yeah, there's, there's an awful lot you can do with that. One thing I wanted to um, touch on, which was uh, something we spoke about just before we started, which is how you've also grown, but not in a way that might, as a, as a marketer at heart, it's kind of like, oh yeah, that's obvious, but it's not something I would necessarily think of. It's, it's, it's by acquisition and, and your, your sort of journey on that side of yeah, we, um, you know, we, we bootstrapped the company, Stephanie and I, as being the two sole shareholders um, from just the two of us to over 100 employees at the, at the time. And um, there's really kind of a couple ways you can, you can grow, a, grow a business. Um, you're going to need some, uh, some fuel for the fire. And so that's either going to be cash from customers, in which case you're actually rendering services or selling an actual product and people buying stuff from you. That's great. Um, if you want to grow faster, uh, you might want to consider taking on some some debt, a manageable amount of debt, where it's a bank loan. That'll help you, you know, to, to serve as working capital for day to day operations, execute a marketing campaign, something um, more sustainable. And so, you know, our first uh, loan was for thirty thousand dollars, and went from there to. 50, 100, 250, 500, 900,000. And there was a loan for $2 million. And at that point we realized, well, you know, we're at heart a technology company really offering kind of web-based software. Uh, we don't have a lot of hard assets. And so banks were, in, you know, unwilling to really lend against, you know, desks and computers. Um, and so, we realized that if, in order to continue to grow at the pace that we wanted, we had to, um, and, and ultimately to kind of win over customers, we actually had to uh, consider bringing on a partner, an investor. And so we kicked off, uh, you know, again, made that choice. Here, here we are again talking about being intentional, about deciding what, what is the right approach for funding the growth of your company and uh, made the choice that, no, uh, uh, yes, now at the time we are going to uh, bring on an investor, at least go to market of investors, venture capitalists, private equity firms, and um, really try to close close a deal. There was there was some inbound interest, and and ultimately, kind of fast forwarding, every every investor I kind of teed out these these three questions that they all ask, which is, well, how big is your market? Uh, which amazingly, we had that market research done internally. Um, so how big is your market? Why you? So you need to win in this space. You know, any, any market is a winner take most or winner take all. So you got to be number one or number two in, in almost any market in order to, to succeed. And, uh, and then the, the last one was, well, why now? And why am I going to invest several million dollars of, of capital into entity right now? And, um, you know, the, the, we, we felt good about answering those, those first two, but the why now is because we actually saw an opportunity to acquire um, a competitor at the time uh, that was serving more of, uh, had a lot of celebrity voice actors and celebrities on their site. They worked 
uh, more in kind of the screen actors guilds, this kind of union work in, in Los Angeles. And, um, and so we actually uh, flew down to LA, met with the, with the owner and uh, he was looking to partner and, and uh, move to the next kind of chapter in his life as well too. And so now I finally had the answer to the, well, why do you need the money now uh, in order to grow? And that, that uh, actually became the investment thesis. Um, we ended up raising $18 million U.S. with Morgan Stanley, a global investment bank, and their uh, private equity uh, group in uh, Silicon Valley. And uh, the use of proceeds was uh, predominantly to acquire this company. And when some people think of an acquisition, it's like, oh, great, you're either acquiring one of three things. You know, most people think it's like, yeah, I'm acquiring some fancy new technology or a patent or some intellectual property. Um, there's this notion called an acquire, which is really you're acquiring talented staff or talented employees. Uh, or you're acquiring customers. And that was really what we did in the situation was we were able to um, bring on 3,000 uh, customers that we were really having trouble. That was, I mean, it was exactly a market. They were doing very similar work to us. Um, but we were just in trouble kind of cracking into them um, otherwise because they were happy with uh, this previous company. And so um, we, you know, I, completed the kind of financial transaction, the acquisition, and then just went on a roadshow, met with as many of them as possible and, and explained how it's going to be the same and how it's going to be different. And uh, over the last couple of years, um, well, really much of the last just been migrating uh, both platforms, kind of unifying them into, into one on voices.com and helping the customers, uh, you know, make their way over as two. So that, that is, is you, it's, it's an under, underserved or, uh, often not, or maybe overlooked may be the better word, uh, overlooked way to gain a lot of clients very quickly. Um, uh, you just have a plan going into it and do your best to, to stick with that plan. But you're right. It's, it's, it's definitely to, uh, to grow your customer base pretty quickly. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that, Maybe people think, well, I have to be of a certain size. I have to have, you know, this money. I have to, have, you know, all this kind of thing. And the irony is, if you think about it, I mean, however much you buy a company for, you have no idea if, when you get those, so that three and a half thousand customers, depending on how much it would have cost you to acquire a customer individually, right? You could pay double to get that many clients or customers as you are then going and directly acquiring a business and actually effectively buying them. Now, obviously. There might be a bit of attrition and things that drop off and all the rest of it. But essentially, that is probably the, you know, and this is from someone who does this for a living, it's probably the least risky way of actually acquiring clients or customers because they're there already. Like they are proven buyers. They, they actually want what you're selling. Whereas if you're going out to, you know, to a market and you're trying to convince and blah, 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 blah. That's why, you know, what is it, seven times more expensive to... Uh, um, acquire a new client than it is to um, service an existing one. Absolutely, and you know it's it's so fascinating because um, you're right. You don't need to be you know you you hear like mergers and acquisitions as if it's you know like SAP or Microsoft or some large conglomerate, but really, I mean, dentist offices do this all the time. Law firms. 
um, financial services, acquiring a list of clients who already has a, a book of business of investments. Um, so um, service-based companies absolutely can do this. Uh, it is, is the most uh, efficient way. And not only, and I, and just kind of closing thought on this, uh, on this topic was not only would you have to acquire those customers, you know, one way or another, you're paying for them. It's the time differential. It would take probably years and years and years to get another hundred clients, or you could do it in one file swoop if you have the, you know, systems and infrastructure to support them. But that's, that's really what, you know, the purpose of a, venture capital investment is, is to compress the time to winning in the market. It's, it's, it's an acceleration. You might get there, but it might take you another decade, or you can get there in two years or in 18 months. And so that, that was, as I say, that was really the investment thesis um, for us. And it's, and it's played out quite well. And it all comes down to the intention that you started with, which was becoming the place for um, voice talent. Absolutely, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we've uh, done well on that, and and, and uh, we'll continue to uh, you know be be intentional, be purposeful on on sticking to that vision of being the place where the world finds its voice. And perhaps if you hadn't started with that intention and whether you know the world finds its voice, then maybe you wouldn't have thought to to take that perceived big leap and go and make the acquisition because mm-hmm. uh, a bit small. Don't want to call it, kind of take that it's too risky it's like no my intention is to be number one the place the only way i'm going to do that quickly is by doing something different doing something that not everyone thinks about so yeah i i love the way how that's broadened around to the you know for uh, to the start around the intention and yeah if anyone listening is thinking okay well how can i apply this it really i i, I think it's probably just as simple as, as sort of taking a step back i mean we're coming up to Christmas season, all that kind of thing. When you're there, just just take a bit of quiet time and think. What do I? What is my intention for my business next year? Where do I want it to go? Is it aligned with the, you know, where I started? And if it's a little bit off, do I need to pivot, or do I just need to kind of put the bumpers up, like on a bowling lane, and you know, make sure that they're sort of guiding me where I actually want to go, and just get back on track? Um, yeah, there's so much in there, and and it's 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 an absolutely inspiring journey that you've been on and i massively appreciate you coming on to share it so thank you very much David. oh thanks so much adam it was a pleasure being here and so um the website is voices.com and uh, you've got a blog there which is voices.com slash blog yep um, you got it is there anywhere else that uh, people could connect find out if they're, if they're thinking of voice talent if they want to find out more how to uh, maximize the the power of voice in their business um, anywhere else I can sure go. yeah I mean as you as you said the the website is is really the best place to go to there's a there's a quick how it works that'll kind of walk you through for those who like to know what are the steps uh, ahead of time but you can sign up for free and then ultimately posting a job is is the best thing if you have a project in mind you can post a job for free talent are going to audition for you so you can hear your script being read out and they're going to quote on the on the project so they're going to send competitive quotes and uh, you get to listen and uh, compare prices in real time and, and pick the voice that sounds uh, best for you uh alternatively if people want to get in touch with us on social media we're on twitter just at voices and also on instagram it's voices uh there as well too we're able to snag those simple uh that's been kind of the the, the you know simple 
um, memorable usernames on uh, most of the social media platforms. Uh, hopefully, we can chat there too. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, you can't forget voices, and uh, yeah, if nothing else, go on to uh, go onto the website and see if you can uh, yeah, listen to the voices that uh, David has actually chosen and picked. It is it'd be an interesting one to see who that being because uh, yeah, you've got a, a big pool to, uh, to pick from. So uh, yeah, maybe try and get that guy or girl. <laughs> so David, thanks ever so much for coming on. Um, it's been an absolutely um, fascinating conversation. And, um, yeah, thanks again. So all that's left to say, David, happy fishing. All right. Same to you. Thanks, Adam. Thanks so much for tuning into the show today. I know there are a lot of podcasts you could be listening to, but you've chosen this one and I'm truly grateful for that. And if you've enjoyed this week's episode, I'd love if you could just take a few quick minutes to share your thoughts and leave an honest rating review for the show over on iTunes. It's not only important for helping others discover the show, but I also read each and every submission personally, and they really do mean the world to me. So thanks very much in advance and happy fishing.